The dream economy is here. Are you coming? Welcome. My name is Katherine Morrison, and as I've coached countless online entrepreneurs into six, multiple six-figure and half-million-dollar businesses, I've learned a lot. One of the main things is that I'm not just here to help you create a high quantity of money. It's actually pretty easy. I'm here to help you do that through the highest quality money imaginable. That means activating and amplifying your unique frequency to take your being and form it into a magnetic, sharply differentiated brand that has clients dropping in out of the sky, salivating to work with you specifically, not someone who does that thing you do. I'm here to help you open the channel for the creation that wants to come through you, where growing your business and building demand comes from razor sharp business precision and business growth is always tied to an expansion of your pleasure. Expanding your mind and your nervous system to create more, receive more, and be bigger in visibility and impact in the world than your rational mind ever imagined possible. This isn't matrix business building. It's business building through soul ascension. This isn't just business coaching. This is the timeline to your destiny. Are you ready to play? Welcome to the Ascension Through Entrepreneurship podcast. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. How's it going? (sighs) Today's episode is going to be a good one. I've got my matcha latte, so I hope you have your beverage of choice and you are ready to settle in with me because today we're going to be talking all about delayed gratification (laughs) and how to create gratification while you are making better choices for the long term which will include some sort of willingness to delay immediate gratification. So we're going to really dive into what this means in business. And I will give, I promise, I will give very specific examples, both of what this has looked like in my own business and for some of my clients and even just people I see, just people out in the world, right? That I've talked to about their businesses. So you can start to gain some awareness of how and where this might be cropping up for you. But first, I want to explain why this episode is called the Marshmallow Experiment. Now, you may already know of this if you are a human behavior nerd like me, but I just don't want to assume that everyone is. I was like a sociology minor in college because I'm just like obsessed with how humans behave. But for those of you that don't know, the marshmallow experiment was a study that came out of Stanford University with the first experiment around this being run in 1972. And they have had so many studies on this since since then. So it is a very long range, many years, many follow-up studies all around exploring this idea around immediate gratification and those who don't have the self-control, right, to delay gratification and those who have the ability to delay gratification. So specifically, what are the differences between people who are willing to delay gratification with people who do not have the self-control to delay immediate gratification? So in this study called the Marshmallow Experiment, it was about a child was offered a choice. Researchers brought kids in and a child was offered a choice between one small but immediate reward 
which was a marshmallow, or two small rewards if they were willing to wait for a short period of time. So these kids were given this choice by the researcher, and then the researcher leaves the room, right? So the kids told, they're like, listen, you can have this one marshmallow now, or if you wait until I come back, you can have another marshmallow, or I think they were also able to pick a pretzel stick if they wanted, if we're getting very specific about this, right? So the researcher leaves the room, and then it's just the kid sitting there with a delicious, tiny marshmallow in front of them. So after 15 minutes, the researcher would return and then we would see, did the kid wait (laughs) and not eat the marshmallow? Were they able to hold out so that they could get that second marshmallow or the pretzel stick? Or did they gobble up the marshmallow? And as you can imagine, a lot of the children did not wait. The researcher left the room and they saw the marshmallow in front of them knowing with even knowing right with a hundred certain a hundred percent certainty they've been told like if you just wait a little bit more you're gonna get a second marshmallow and still they could not wait and they ate the marshmallow which I think that even in and of itself is a pretty fascinating peek into human behavior to see that even when a person knows With 100% certainty, they have been told, right, that if you can just hold out and wait just a little bit longer, it will double the amount you're able to receive. Still, many people cannot control themselves and they give in to their desire for immediate gratification. But the researchers actually went further. And they kept tabs on these kids that were studied way back in 1972, and they wanted to know what are the differences, right, as these kids are growing up between these children that were able to wait and get the the bigger reward and the kids that couldn't and just gobbled up the first one. And so in these follow-up studies, the researchers found that the kids who were able to delay gratification for the better reward, right, to get double for just waiting a little bit, Of course, these kids had better life outcomes on a million different levels. They had better SAT scores. Their level of educational attainment was higher. Their net worth and income was higher. Even their body mass index was better, right? Now, of course, this isn't really that surprising, and it's probably something we could all agree makes sense. But what is so easy to see with kids and marshmallows is sometimes harder to see when we're doing it under different conditions as adults. Now, before we dive into this, I just want to say I might poke at some things that might stir some stuff up for you. And if that happens, this is not an invitation to blame yourself or beat yourself up or whatever, right? None of those would be helpful. And in fact, one of the findings that I found really fascinating, one of these follow-up studies after the original marshmallow experiment, was that in 2011, there was a brain imaging study done on a sample of the original kids who did the marshmallow experiment. So all the way back in 1972, this is what, uh, what is that, 30 years later, 82, 92? No, 40 years later, right? Almost 40 years later. And they wanted to see what the actual differences were in the brains of these people. Now, 40 years later, in midlife. And what they found was there was a clear marked difference between the brains of people who could delay gratification and therefore were doing much better in life and those who had trouble delaying gratification. 
And that major difference was that the prefrontal cortex part of the brain was actually significantly more developed in those that could delay gratification. And for those of you that aren't total brain nerds like me, I'm a human behavior nerd. I'm a brain nerd. I'm just a nerd. Welcome to my podcast, right? But if you're not a brain nerd and you don't know about the brain, what you are actually working on and developing when you are getting coached in a cognitive or mindset capacity is you are fundamentally exercising and growing the strength and capacity of dun 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 your prefrontal cortex. Listen, I love all the woo. I love the spiritual things, but I will never let go of the importance. If we're going to do things here in the 3D world, your prefrontal cortex will be very useful to develop. (laughs) Now, are some people born with a stronger prefrontal cortex? Probably. Are some people raised in households where delayed gratification is taught and modeled by their caregivers and therefore helps from a very young age for that child to develop a stronger prefrontal cortex? 100% that's going to be the case. But to those of you that sort of struggle to stick with things or if you have impulse control, to keep going without the figurative marshmallow being dropped into your mouth immediately. And to be clear, I just want to say, if this is like an impulse control thing and you think there might be some sort of like actual mental thing happening for you that's diagnosable, this does not apply to that, right? I'm talking about things in the sort of general realms of like, ah, I want to do this thing, but I just have trouble sticking with it, okay? Please know that developing your prefrontal cortex and having this ability to stick with things, to delay gratification for a bigger reward later, is one million percent something you can do. It is fundamentally what any half-decent mindset coach or mindset coaching program will help you to do and develop. Strengthen the prefrontal cortex so you can have way better life and business outcomes across the board. Now, before we dive into any of the ways this has shown up, both positively and negatively for me and my clients, we need to add a couple huge changes to this entire discussion, which is that when we're talking about delaying having something now in your life and business in order to have more and better results later, there is actually a crucial distinction between what we're doing as entrepreneurs and what was happening for these kids with the marshmallow study, which is that technically, technically, you are not 100% guaranteed double the results, triple the results, 10 times the results if you're willing to put in the work and wait for later. Which remember, even of the kids who are told, right? Even when they're kids and they're told with 100% certainty, that they're going to get double the reward for just waiting 15 minutes, many of those kids couldn't make it. They decided not to do it. Whereas in your business, in your investment decisions, in all of these arenas, you are not guaranteed with 100% certainty that you will get double, triple, 10x later. And then secondly, in this marshmallow experiment, all the kid had to do was sit in a chair and wait for a little while for the researcher to come back so they get 
double the return of marshmallows. That's all they had to do was sit in a chair and wait. They didn't have to do anything. They just had to sit there. And still, when all they had to do was sit there and be patient, many of the kids failed, could not do it. Now add in the layer that in our businesses, it's not a matter of like just sitting and waiting to get more later. We have to take action in our businesses, being willing to put in blood and sweat and tears, being willing to continually share our gifts, to take up space in the world, to show up and serve, right? To let our soul like shine its light into the marketplace with actually zero 100% certain guarantee that this results in double, triple, 10x down the line. And I just want you to think about that because when we put it this way, in this light, looking at even for kids that all they had to do was wait and they were guaranteed the return, they still had trouble, right? And then we add in these other elements that as entrepreneurs we have with us, entrepreneurship begins to sound pretty fucking insane. (laughs) Like the strength of the prefrontal cortex that we're going to need to like get some stuff done. Listen, it's commendable. It's a big deal. And so before we even go into how this plays out in entrepreneurship, I want to share how this works for me and my husband before I even started a business. Because obviously, like the world of money exists even when you're an employee. And I've shared on the podcast before how much like I just, I hated my job. I did not know coaching was a thing. And I just hated like working for someone else. I was never meant to be an employee. And so I really did not consider that entrepreneurship could be an option. So I was like, oh, I know what I have to do. I have to just take my high income job and save as much money as I can so that I can like retire early. Right. So in my like early twenties, I really started studying like, how does money work? How does like, and not just the energetics of money, y'all, but like the actual strategies, tools, frameworks, like what are the different types of investing accounts? How does rebalancing your investment portfolio work? What are the different types of real estate investments? What's real estate syndication? Like all of these different types of things and how it worked in the world. Like that's the world that I entered, right? And the way that money works is the same way as our strategic efforts in our business. So actually this is like, man, I don't remember off the top of my head what the number of the podcast was. Um, But if you go into the podcast and just search compound, I literally had an episode on this on how like when you're an employee, and I even looked up the statistics on this, only 50% of employees currently put money into their 401k. And it's for the same thing with the marshmallow experiment, right? They're like, oh, I've got to put money away now. And I like don't see it until so much later, even though the magic of compound interest means they're like millionaires by retirement, right? I think it was like 51% of employees currently put money into their 401k when actually I think up to 68% of employers offer it. And so many employers offer free matching And so most people, I don't want to say most people, but a lot of people don't, that's free money, right? If your employer is going to match it. And even then, so many people don't take the opportunity to put in that little bit of money now that basically, I mean, I don't want to say it's guaranteed. Like our economy could fall off a cliff, (laughs) but historically it has always gone up, right? And so the idea is you put your money in the stock market and it compounds over time. 
So before I even got started on growing my own business, I spent years learning about money, finances, financial planning, saving, investing, and real estate investing, and what I had to do with my money right now to make sure with the little bit of money I had now that I would have a lot more money down the line. And quick side note, if you are new to my audience, I actually put together an entire free course on this earlier this year called Wealth Codes, where I actually dive into the actual how to figure out like how to structure a financial plan, how to figure out what are the things that you want, how to basically make sure that you can always afford anything that you want. And this is something that very early on in my early 20s, like I just got really good with money and I got really good without with figuring out like, what do we have to save? What do we have to invest? Where do we budget? Where do we crank our spending down, right? To make sure that we could always have the life that we wanted over time. So if that is something that you're like, oh, I like that would be beneficial for me to like actually learn about making a financial plan, understanding how to save and invest strategically, you can grab that entire course on demand entirely free at www.katherinemorsoncoaching.com forward slash wealth. Okay. End of plug. It's a great course. You should totally grab it and take it and do it and do it and, and actually do the course <laughs> because it turns out it doesn't work unless you do it. All right. So one example that we have done from a lot of the stuff that I dive into in the Wealth Codes course, but I can talk about here, totally outside of business, is that I know in the long term, I want to own a retreat center. I want a beautiful, large physical space for this community. And so rather than me spending a ton of money on a house right now and being super house poor, my husband and I decided that we only wanted to spend around 10% of our monthly income each month on housing. And to give you a sense, the average is 30%. Right? So if you just Google what financial planners recommend you spend, they're like around 30%. But when I looked at like how I wanted to be spending my money, I was like, oh, I actually want to like do a lot of passive real estate investing. Like I have different goals for my life. And because I have different goals for my life, I have to align my spending to those goals to make the goals happen. Right. It's like I don't care what society taught me about the white picket fence and about how I should desire a big house. Like I care about what I want long term, which is a nice, sizable net worth and wealth and an amazing community space. So I would have what, it's so funny because it's a million dollar home at this point. I think we bought it at around $500,000. But like for us, for like the dual income household that we have, that is actually quite low. But it's a modest sized home. My two boys share a bedroom, right? And because we're willing to do that on the 10% side, and we're only spending 10% on housing every month, that throws off so much extra income that we've been able to invest in real estate. We invest in apartment buildings. We invest in farmland. I have invested in high-level business masterminds, right? Because I'm looking at what my longer-term goals are. And if I was just spending money on a house, that would be me as an adult taking one marshmallow right now and then screwing myself to have so many more marshmallows down the line, right? So I had to look at what are my actual goals What's the net worth I want? What's the impact I want to have in my business? What are all of those things? And I need to make sure I have money to invest in my business. I have money to invest in passive real estate vehicles, 
right? And I just had to be willing to wait for that. I was just telling my husband the other day, I'm like, I'm going to be 40 soon. And to just think about like the amount of time that I'm just like, I'm not in a rush. I know that the retreat center will come and I know that it will be worth it. And I love this house so much. We have best friends across the street. It's totally fine. But I think for a lot of people, they would look at my net worth and they would think that it's odd, my spending. But I'm just aligning my spending to my values and my priorities. And now there were there were zero guarantees, right? That if I decided to live in a smaller house so that I have plenty of money for high-level business masterminds and real estate properties to invest in, there are actually zero guarantees that all of those would pan out. I mean, at least with a business mastermind, it's like you control what you get in terms of the return because you have some control over what you put in. But for us with real estate investments, that's like really putting your trust into someone else's hands. Because <laughs> I'm not I'm not in the property. I'm not managing it day to day. I'm just giving someone lots of money and I'm looking at the the deal. I'm like, I'm like, okay, this these numbers look good. Like I trust these people. Like, let's go for it. And in fact, we have a farmland investment right now that has gone pretty fucking sideways. <laughs> so it's looking like we're going to get all of our money back, but we will have lost, I think, probably about three years of what we anticipated in compounding returns. But I have learned enough about money and business. I have developed my skill sets enough that I'm not gambling with our money anymore. I'm making strategic investments with very educated guesses and reasons as to why I think something will work and I'm putting the money in. And I just want you to consider too, with this like real estate investment that's like gone a little sideways, it does not mean that I'll never invest in real estate again. It's just like I have learned, I have seen how I showed up to that investment that created that result. I've seen what I'll do differently in the future. And I'm going to incorporate all of that learning and wisdom and experience into the next investments I make. And this 1 million percent goes for your business efforts too. Recently, I was at a retreat and it's actually funny. I, I'm going to say I met this woman there, but I found out later, like on the last day of the retreat, that she was actually a member inside of the Brand Alchemy Accelerator, but she didn't tell me the entire retreat and she'd never raised her hand for coaching. So I didn't recognize her face. And so anyway, turns out this woman that I met there that it turned out was my client, but didn't tell me, she came and sat next to me on a bus and we were driving back. We'd gone on a day trip to a boat and we were driving back to the hotel and she sat next to me and she was just telling me about her business And y'all know me. It's so funny. Later, when she told me on the last day that she was in the accelerator, she was like, oh, I thought you were, you spent so much time like coaching me because like you knew. And I was like, no, you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me you were my client. So you can just know just out in the real world, if anyone tells me about their business and they want help, I will literally just sit there and I will help them and I will advise them and I will coach them for free because it's just like in my blood, right? So as I'm sitting on the bus helping this woman with her business, we're looking at the action she's taking. We're looking at the mindset she has. We're looking at everything, like her her desired goals. And as we're looking at it, we found that she was having the thought, well, I'm not sure it'll work. 
about trying all of these different initiatives, like pitching herself as a speaker or taking the time to engage in online communities to build her brand and make herself known. And her brain thought that that thought was super awesome. It's like, no, no, no. We need to like spend a lot of time and we need to find the exact perfect right strategy because she was in a nine to five job. So it seemed to her brain super important and helpful to spend time being like, well, I'm not sure if that'll work. I'm not sure if that'll work. I'm not sure if that'll work. And and then to only spend time because she's so busy in her nine to five job to only spend time doing things that she 100% guaranteed would move her forward, that 100% guaranteed that they were going to work. But because nothing, like even, listen, I have friends in like eight-figure businesses and sometimes I have ideas and those ideas suck once they go into the marketplace, right? (laughs) Like as you get bigger and you get more experience and you get more business chops, your guesses are usually better, but all of us mess it up sometimes, right? But her brain did not want to move forward until it could 100% guarantee something was going to work. So she was just stuck spinning there, not moving her business forward at the starting line. And then, and then she was like, I don't know, I forget if she was two or three years into her business, but she'd literally been stuck in that thought. Like, I'm not sure if it's going to work for years, which I want you to really see how this like (laughs) relates to the marshmallow test, right? She's in a job she doesn't even like. So actually her worst case is if she really goes for it with her business And if she for sure does not give up or quit, she actually does 100%. She'll eventually succeed. But it might take a dozen or two half-baked, right? Like just a bunch of poorly executed strategies while she's learning business skills, while she's doing the branding and messaging work to get her to success. And that is the greatest marshmallow test of all time. Are you willing to put in the work to pour your heart and soul into the world, to shape your mind and develop the entrepreneurial skill sets you need to succeed? Until, are you willing to keep going until you have 100% succeeded? And if not, it's okay if the answer is no, but then don't complain about only having one marshmallow. Don't bemoan the marketplace or what's hard or the industry or this and that about clients. Like just no complaining. Just tell yourself the truth. I'm not willing to put in the work and delay gratification. And I'm not willing to put in effort without a guaranteed and immediate return. It would just be really important if that's genuinely where your brain is at for you to see that that's the truth of what's happening and to not blame it on any external things. There's just so many people that when it gets down to it, like what their brain is telling them is like, do not put in any effort without a 100% guaranteed and immediate return. And listen, I get it. We're in like the Amazon era where it's just like, you just click a button and it comes. And unfortunately, that's not how business building works. And I think this is so important too with things like business investing I was just talking with a client today who is inside of my words are Juan's mastermind and she is killing it. I think her goal for the year was $80,000 and it is only September and she's at like $130,000. She's doing so well. 
But right now, it's mostly coming from her branding. That's why she came into the words for one's mastermind, right? Her brand reputation is quite strong in a certain network, in a certain community on the internet. And she's deeply embodied. And so people know her just from being in or around this sort of community. And they know that like she's got a really wonderful energy when they feel into her. But the thing is, she has a lot of more logical, rational buyers who are sitting on the fence in her audience because their brains don't really fully understand her offer, her process, how it works, what they'll get. And so she's been doing phenomenal work on really developing her messaging to build it out. And she's like already, like things are getting so much sharper. And then in this most recent launch, she didn't reapply. And I was going through the applications that came in and I was like, what in the world? Like she's doing nothing but winning what is happening. And so I actually pinged her because it literally made no sense, like why she didn't reapply. And so I just asked her to tell me like what had come up with her for her. Cause I'm just like, oh, like, do I have a delivery problem? Like what's going on? And she messaged me back and basically shared that in the country she lives in, that $130,000 per year is actually about like what a shop clerk could make. And she refused to pay herself less than what a shop clerk could make. And she wanted to be at $300,000 in the next year to really be investing how she wanted to invest. And it was so, so fascinating to hear her share that perspective because it's just the adult version of the marshmallow experiment. It's it's so interesting. Like we, in online businesses, we are so lucky with the amount of money that we can make so easily. But if you look up, just literally Google, like the average time it takes a business to become profitable, it takes the average business two to four years to turn a profit. It takes the average business two to four years to turn a profit. And that's just important to know because that's actually not true for most of us that are just starting a business online, right? We can get to some profitability fairly quickly, but it sort of creates this entitlement, right? And some people are absolutely unwilling to give up any standard of living in the present moment to prioritize and build out a better future for themselves. Now, of course, always cover your basic needs. I'm not like, listen, don't go investing in a high-level business mastermind. If doing so would like put you out on the streets, you'd lose your house, you couldn't feed your kids food. I'm not saying that. You're in that situation 100%. Listen to the free podcast, build your way there, right? But when you're at a certain point and you're winning, it's just really fascinating to look at. And it was just really interesting for me to watch how different it is from the way... I built my business, like the way I was thinking about my business, the way that I was willing to live in a smaller house so that we had money to throw off into real estate investing, the way that um, actually like when my husband and I mapped out our lives, like when we were in our early 20s, he wanted to go to grad school. He had studied philosophy. And then we came, (laughs) we went and we were volunteer teachers in Namibia for a year. And then we came back and it was like the great recession. And he was like, you know, I kind of want to get into tech. Maybe we take the time right now while there's not a lot of jobs. And maybe I go back to school and I study software engineering. And he wanted to go to grad school at 
the best place you could possibly find to go to grad school. And that was Carnegie Mellon. It's one of the top schools in the country for that line of work. And so as two people in our early 20s with no money, (laughs) we were like, okay, we're going to figure it out. Like if this is something that he wants for his future, we're going to figure it out. And I think what actually made me so good with money so early was actually my parents taught me to be super debt averse. And so it didn't even financially, it would have made more sense for us to take out student loans, but I was so debt averse. I was like, no, no, no. I don't want us to take out student loans. And we still wanted him to go to school. So in our early twenties, we figured out, I forget if it was 60 or $70,000 a year for a schooling, right? For two years. And as two people, we cranked down our spending. We lived in like a tiny 400 square foot apartment. We didn't take fancy vacations. And, and doing that, being willing to crank down our spending, being willing to not like do things for two years, I would go, listen, y'all, We were not going out drinking $16 cocktails at all with our friends during that period. We were like, how about you come to our house or I will come to your house. And I worked a nine to five. And then I picked up extra hours on nights and weekends as a babysitter so that we could make enough money so that when my husband graduated from school, we had cranked down our spending enough and then cranked up our income enough to pay for one of the top universities in the country in full as two 23-year-old kids with no job experience. I just got some personal finance books and I was like, how does this work? (laughs) Right? We were willing then to not eat the single marshmallow. We were willing to delay our gratification and put in the work and know with our continued efforts, we would have so many more marshmallows. And that was the case, right? It ended up putting him on a trajectory. He's like a very highly sought out tech executive now. And it was from us being willing to crank things down, make difficult decisions and not eat the marshmallow. (laughs) Or when I started my business, listen, this is extreme and I'm not even saying do this at all, but I did not pay myself a single cent until my business had generated over $500,000. I'm not even recommending you do that. We had just, (laughs) as you heard, I was a little fanatical about like saving money (laughs) before I left my job, right? And because of that, we like learned how to work with money so well that we built a life that allowed me to do that, right? Where we didn't have to take any, I think when I left my job as an employee, I had like an 80% savings rate. And I had so much money put away. So it was like, I didn't need to be taking, like I was, I was able to, I'd created a life where I was able to invest in my business at a level because I'd done all the stuff that you guys have access to learning in that wealth codes course. And I'm going to for sure put it in the link because if this is sounding like something that would benefit you, I want you to have access to it. Um, But I really think about this. I didn't take an income until I brought on uh, my first VA and then I was paying her and I was like, oh, I guess since I'm paying her, like maybe I should pay myself something. (laughs) But we'd spent over a decade like just sitting on this, like, I don't need to eat the marshmallow now, investing in my husband's education, living in a smaller home. So we had lots of extra money to put into passive real estate investing. And then I had all the money to actively invest in my business, into my own coaching, mentorship, and training. And to be clear, 
I was saving a lot of that first $500,000 and that is all still in a fund to this day for the retreat center I'm going to build. Because still, even at this level, I'm just playing with bigger marshmallows. Do I allow myself beautiful luxuries and indulgences? Yes, but it's all according to a financial plan that I have decided ahead of time and I have my priorities straight. Can I not eat the one marshmallow right now? Can I be patient? Can I ask myself to get my dopamine, not from some instant gratification of shit I'm going to buy. Listen, we could even talk about like <laughs> the self-storage industry. I was just looking at, I think it's at $58 billion right now from all of the crap that Americans buy that they don't need. And now that they have to pay a separate storage unit to store all the crap they don't need. And I think that the self-storage industry is projected to get to, I think, $72 billion by 2028. People have money. People just lack the ability to understand how to prioritize their money and their resources to create the life they want. Okay. And so rather than going for some instant gratification that ends up just creating more trash for the earth and going into a dump or going to a storage unit or whatever the thing is, right? Can I get my dopamine from putting in the work towards what I want? Can I tell myself how proud I am of myself for consistently being a person that can leave the single marshmallow on the table to build herself a table full of marshmallows? Can I luxuriate in anticipation of that table full of marshmallows? Being so proud, so fulfilled of who I am in the present moment, and being so impressed by my constant commitment to consciously choosing my future and actively creating it. When I invested in my first high-level mastermind, I joined early on because I knew I wanted my business to be successful. And so in the first round I was in, I think I barely squeaked by and made my investment back. And then it was time to reapply. And I had a choice. I was like, ooh, I don't really want to put it all back in. <laughs> but when I like felt into it, I'm not saying blindly invest. That's how we the university systems got into all the student loan debt, right? I looked at, I felt into the inner the deepest part of me. And I was like, oh, I'm going for it. I don't think I magically put money into this mastermind. And then that's what creates my results. I understand I have to co-create with the mastermind. Okay. So I put myself, I put it all right back in and I took off in that second round of the mastermind. The first round, it just squeaked by the second round I took off. And it was because I had to be willing to look at, oh, I could like, I could kind of take this one marshmallow and go. I'm not really where I want to be in my business, but like I could sort of squeak this one marshmallow off the table and leave. Or I can trust in what I feel inside of myself is true and I can put in more to have more marshmallows in the future. You need to look at that. Do I see leading indicators that I'm starting to see results? Okay. I'm not saying blindly invest ever. And when my business first started, I reduced all expenses. We stopped eating out all the time. I didn't get my nails done for like the first two years of my business. We cranked down all of our spending because that was misaligned. My highest priority and my highest desire was I felt like my soul was here to help people and it was here to help people through my business. And I really wanted to get my gifts out into the world. And yet my spending, when I looked at my spending, I'm like getting manicures, I'm taking vacations. I'm eating out all the time. So in order to be in integrity with myself and my values, I had to make a lot of changes. 
And it wasn't just that one time with business investing where I had to give up one marshmallow in order to have more marshmallows later. This actually just happened again recently. I was just telling my masterminders about this. I was in a Facebook ads mastermind for a year and we did one round. And oh my gosh, the problem is when you go into these higher level masterminds, it's a higher level mastermind. And it's brutal because you see how many gaps you have. You see like how bad you kind of suck and how much work you have to do. And oftentimes, like you got to be in there more than one round. So I got at this Facebook ads mastermind. And because I'd been selling to a warm audience, it was mostly through my brand. I had a high brand reputation. I was known in a certain community. I was like, I had a brand that had sort of reverberated out into the marketplace. So my messaging didn't have to be as strong, right? But then when you go out into cold traffic, guess what? They don't give a fuck. (laughs) So my messaging had to be really strong, really on point. And I get into this container and I was like, oh no. (laughs) So the first round, we had our funnel up and we had just made, I think it was like, we had just made our investment back. And then I had a, a moment where I'm like, oh, okay, like I could put my tail between my legs and I could like leave, but I can see, I can now, I have the awareness now. It's so maddening actually when you have an awareness of where you're lacking because I could see all the gaps I had to fill in and I could see the resources that this Facebook ads mastermind had for me. And I knew that going again was actually in the highest best interest, right? It was the example of like, I w- if I left, I would be taking my one marshmallow or I could decide, okay, I can see the trajectory. I can see the leading indicators of what's happening. I can see how this skill would benefit me and my team moving forward. And we just squeaked by the first round and we put it all back in to join the next round. And guess what happened the next round? By the end of the second round, our funnel was the example for the entire mastermind of what a super successful, fully functioning funnel looked like. And I'm consistent with achieving these results because I can put in work now for results I will not immediately see, sometimes for a long time. This meant in the beginning, I was willing to post and post and post and keep posting while I was learning more about messaging and branding and content and how it all worked. So my stuff, of course, in the beginning, everyone sucks in the beginning. (laughs) But as I learned more and I kept posting and I kept evaluating and I kept getting better, it started creating more and more clients. Until at the end of the time when I like ended my one-on-one, I was just talking about this last night. I was doing an Ask Me Anything on Instagram. I had 24 one-on-one clients by the time I retired my one-on-one. By being willing to keep posting when I didn't see, when it looked like there was nothing there, I just had to keep trusting myself and keep putting in the work and keep going, knowing that I was increasing my skill set. I was evaluating my messaging. I was watching what was happening. And I was getting better and better every single day, every single week. This means today, right now, this year in my business, we have slowed way down to really get everything in place to really scale. Like y'all, the number of systems and processes we have put in place, really looking at like every single thing and being like, okay, if like a hundred more clients came into the accelerator tomorrow, what would break? What would we have issues with? What would we, let's start to solve for that now. Let's figure it out because the clients are coming. 
getting the right team members in place and making sure the right people are in the right roles in the business. Holy moly. There's been a lot of learning. The backend infrastructure and making the conscious decision to hire right now and to have more hands helping to do the work and to make a decision to reduce our profitability to less than 50%. With the bet that I'm making on having the right people in the right roles will actually help the business transmit way more magic into the marketplace and call in our best people. Like seriously, you all, we are going to end this year revenue-wise, I don't know, probably around the same as we did last year, but the business is now completely scalable in all the ways I want it to be. And I have put in this entire year, both me and my team, There's been no point during this entire year where we have not been working on something to make sure that the business is scalable of helping the team build out systems and creating, oh my gosh, we have done so much. Uh, It's so good on the content creation side. Like the idea was basically like, you know what? A gourmet chef can just go into a kitchen with the right ingredients and whip up an amazing meal super quickly. So I started asking myself, how do we have to do that? What do we have to set up in the company? So that if I just get the right person in that seat, the whole content kitchen is set up and we just have an engine. And I have had to slow way down to train new people, all for the promise of being able to help and connect with more of you. I have zero guarantee that all of you are going to come. I have worked. My team has worked all year long to build a house that can hold more of you with ease and spaciousness. We have built a house that lots of people will feel like, oh, this is so much room for me. I feel so held. I feel so supported. This is the best client experience. We have built it with space and support and all the things to ensure our clients have an incredible experience and want to stay. I have poured my heart out for the world this year inside of my business, outside of my business. I am taking a stand for business done differently at the intersection of intuition and strategy, creativity and logic, structure and flow. I'm taking a risk with that because there's nowhere else on this planet that I've been able to find this high of a level of business training, teaching and mentoring and support at that intersection, intuition and strategy, creativity and logic, structure and flow. And I like, it literally pains me. (laughs) (laughs) that I can't get support at the level that I'm offering support. And so I know if I like literally like my soul is like, that there's so many women who are craving that type of community that honors intuition and strategy, creativity and logic, structure and flow. I don't know if you're all going to come inside, but I do know that if you don't come inside, I'm not going to give up until I find the people that do want to come inside and live inside of this house that we have built. I could have stayed back in my business a couple of years ago, a super easy breezy, half a million dollars a year, only selling a high-end mastermind. But when I sat at my altar and I prayed on what I was being called to do in this world, that's not what the call was. I was called to help more people. That business structure, that easy breezy half a mil, that was my single one marshmallow. And I didn't want just one marshmallow. I want all the marshmallows my soul feels called to. And I'm fucking ravenously hungry to help all of you. 
And so I had to be willing to give up the single marshmallow to go for all the marshmallows. And listen, being willing to help more of you also means being willing to actively say no to some of you and turn away your money, even when you're trying to throw it at me, if I know it's not a good fit. This is another really good example of being in your business true to the one marshmallow and saving yourself for double the marshmallows. This past Words or Wands launch, we were below where I wanted the launch to be. And I had people emailing and reaching out and asking to get into the room. But from what they were telling me, they weren't a fit for the room. And another example, right? I'm just like, if I had taken their money, that would be like me eating with the one marshmallow right now. I'd be like, oh, I want this $50,000 right now. And if I had done that, and if I had accepted five non-best fit clients into the room, do you know what that would have done to my mastermind? It would have lowered the client experience for the people that the room was a fit for. And then you know what that would have done downstream from that is, of course, I would be less likely to retain the people that the room is a fit for. They wouldn't renew, right? They're the whole. The, it would be a struggle to deliver it. The quality of the room would go down. And then guess what happens if all of those things were to happen? If I was like, oh, I'll just take this 50 grand here because people are willing to give it to me. If I was willing to do that, and then that was the experience people had, people go out into the world and they speak. And my name is on this door. My name is on this door. That's my brand reputation. And I'm not willing to take the money of whoever's willing to pay me because that means that long-term, that less people get helped And if less people have a good experience, that also means long-term, I make less money, right? As an entrepreneur, you're always looking at what are win-wins. I win and the client wins. So even when I'm not at my revenue goal, I have to be willing to turn away lots of money from people who are asking to give it to me. I have to be willing to sit and look at the marshmallow and not take it. I know what I'm being called to build and I will not settle for less. And my only guarantee, unlike the kids in the research lab, right? The the researchers like, listen, if you just hang out for 15 minutes, you're going to get double the marshmallows. I don't have that. My only guarantee is the guarantee I can give to myself, which is I look at myself and I'm like, Catherine, I will not give up on what your soul, like you're being asked like, oh, I want this. I will not give up on you. It's my responsibility. It is my destiny to answer its call. And unlike those kids, it doesn't mean just me sitting around in the research lab doing nothing with the guarantee of double the return. As entrepreneurs, we are in co-creation with source, which means when we are really in flow with what we feel called to do, That is allowing the universe to work through us, through the action we take. And when we are in our own human brain around our own entitlement and what we think we should get, or or our own shame and what we think we're not worthy of, all of of that is just really boring human shit. When we're in that human stuff, we're actually not in touch with the spiritual being behind that, that is so much bigger And if we just get out of our own way and allow that to work through us, and that doesn't just mean meditating and sitting at an altar. It means getting very clear on what's wanting to come through you, what you're being called to create in your business with your hands and your heart and your mind and your eyes and your ears and your entire fucking being. 
and that brick by brick you build that business here in this world. That you being willing to see the single marshmallow in front of you and know that if you stop now and eat it, you're giving up the timeline to your destiny. And listen, I get it. In this modern culture where businesses are teaching you to actually be more impatient, right? Amazon's going to deliver your package to you within hours. And you can press a button. You don't even need to leave your house for food anymore. Food's just delivered to you at a moment's notice. And if you want to watch something, you just click a button on Netflix. You don't even have to, after it's done, you don't even have to click the next button. It will just autoplay the next thing. There are businesses that are training you to just make it easy for your lower brain. Like, yes, I'll just watch another episode. Yes, I'll just click a button. It can be easy to settle for less just because it is instant. Don't settle for less than you are capable of. Remember what Stanford found around the prefrontal cortex. It is the people that can be conscious, that can be intentional, that can practice delayed gratification, that end up with more than the people who are willing to settle for less. Get coached. Develop that brain. Guarantee yourself you won't quit and you guarantee yourself the certainty of success. And watch as the world of all the marshmallows unfolds to you. I want you to have a life full of marshmallows, sweeter than you could ever possibly imagine, and it is worth the work, and it's worth the wait, I promise. I love you all so much, and I'll see you next week. you are loving what you are learning on the podcast and you're ready to cultivate and radiate your unique frequency out into the marketplace so that your audience stops the scroll, sees you, and drops in to buy, your next step is joining us in the Brand Alchemy Accelerator. Once you're energetically unbound, we take the work deeper as you prepare for the solopreneur to entrepreneur transition in the pleasure and precision mastermind, more deeply cultivating your energy and then learning to powerfully harness and direct it on the front end through the precision of your marketing and selling and on the back end through setting up a business that feels like it's holding you instead of you feeling like it's one more thing you have to take care of. Head to www.katherinemorrisoncoaching.com to learn more.